right there. That's usually where I am, so I know. For those of you who don't know, the worship team does not just skip up here and choose the people that have the most impressive voices. I know we live in Music City, but um, Jewel, who led that song, for those who are visiting, she is our worship director, and we spend Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 every Sunday morning studying about worship. She has called us to a place of being serious about what it means to be worshipers, and it's not, it doesn't start with choosing songs and how great our voices are. That is important because we want to offer our best to the Lord, but, but she, her leadership calls us to a place of understanding what God requires of us as true worshipers. And so when you are blessed and your soul is stirred by the songs that are going forth, know that it's being mined from a deep place of preparation. And so I honor and thank you, Jewel, and thank um, the worship team for that this morning. And thank you all. Thank you all for serving as well, not to leave our gentlemen and our band out because they are part of that preparation too. Amen. Amen. Well, I am excited to continue in our unsung series today. And um, honey, I love um, this series, these stories, whether they are unfamiliar, um, whether they are unexplored, or whether um, we just need to be reminded that um, these stories are unparalleled. Um, there's so much encouragement that um, we can gain from the lives of these men and these women. And I hope that you're ready today because this lady that we are going to explore is... Um, is pretty incredible. Um, as I was thinking about her story, I was reminded of the fact that growing up, I loved fairy tales. And I know some of you are like, what? Fairy tales? I was a smart student. Um, I was an avid reader, still am. But when I was nine years old, my Aunt Nan, she was kind of our white honorary aunt of our family. And um, when I was nine years old, she gave me as a birthday gift a copy of Grimm's Fairy Tales. And if you've never heard of that, then you don't know like serious fairy tales. Um, and, and I was hooked. And then fast forward my parenting with three wonderful daughters who have a lot of hair, which translated to a lot of Saturdays needing to do hair. Um, Disney's version of some of those fairy tales was a lot of our choice of entertainment. And um, when I thought of this lady today, I thought, how I wish life were a fairy tale. Um, fairy tales usually start with that opening line, once upon a time. And then we have a plot, and we have suspense, and maybe true love, and then it ends with happily ever after. Um, her story is not a fairy tale, but with her bold faith, she did reach a destiny that was greater than she could have ever imagined, and that beats happily ever after any day. So before we start into this, let me pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, we know that these stories that are written in your word are written for our example, and I thank you that we can explore these lives, Lord, so that we can see what you wrote about them, but God, so that we can learn what it is that you're writing in our life stories. And I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear what you want to speak to us, Holy Spirit, 
that our hearts would be open to receive fresh revelation, God, whether she's familiar to us or whether her story um, is one that, that we know but we need to be reminded in, Lord. Um, I pray that you would have your way, that you would speak today, that you would refresh us, Lord, on what it means to have a bold faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let me start with this story that um, is, is narrated for us in Joshua chapter 2. And of course, I'm going to begin with, once upon a time, there was a girl named Rahab. And Rahab had a father and a mother and brothers and sisters. And Rahab lived in a city called Jericho. Now that's where that fairy tale-ish kind of takes a different twist. For those who don't know, Rahab had a rather unique job. I wouldn't say it's a job that most girls grow up aspiring to have. Rahab's job was as a prostitute. Yes, if you did not know, the Bible has a story about a prostitute. A prostitute, as you know, is a woman who is paid to have sexual relations with men. Our Bible tells us that this heroine was in this line of work many call the oldest profession, and inquiring minds want to know. I am a curious person. And so I tried to wrap my mind around how did Rahab find herself in this line of work? Scripture tells us in that Joshua 2 passage that she had her own home. Paul Revere was a prime piece of real estate because it says it was situated on the city wall. Uh, one of my favorite friction, fiction authors, Francine Rivers, has written a novella titled A Lineage of Grace, and it, it weaves um, historic fiction around um, some of these Bible characters. And I like her premise of Rahab. I think there's room for a sanctified imagination to consider. Um, she says Rahab possibly was selected by the king as a young woman. And in that day when uh, women had no rights, um, Maybe that was something she had no control over. Um, maybe her family benefited from this arrangement. And, and so trapped in a life that she did not want and did not choose, maybe she intended to find a way to take advantage of her wretched situation and this man who used her. So she secured a house from her lucrative salary, a prosperous living, and the illusion of independence and, and figured that she could watch the comings and the goings of Jericho and, and give the king information. I, I, I could see that, and that, that helped me wrap my mind around how a prostitute found herself so full of faith. Um, she was willing to risk it all for a God that, that she longed to worship, but she had only heard about. So in Joshua 2, our plot says that Joshua was the new leader of Israel. Moses has died, and, and God has promised to bring his people into this promised land. And this city called Jericho has thick walls, and it is the, the impediment before them. And so two spies are dispatched to look over the land of Jericho, and the Bible says that they entered Rahab's home and stayed there. Now, again, I'm inquiring minds entered a prostitute's home and stayed there. Um, again, my girlfriend, Cindy Rivers, I like her sanctified imagination, this you know, plot that maybe the spies, as they approached the, 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 the city of Jericho and saw these walls, maybe they were checking it out a little 
obviously, you know, because after all, they're sent, Joshua said, spy out the land. Um, the fact that Israel had moral codes that we know um, prevented them from looking to a prostitute for normal reasons. Perhaps they were not paying attention to her, and maybe that sort of drew her imagination. We, we don't know, but scripture says that they came to her home and they stayed there, and, and later on we'll read about how she gave the spies a friendly welcome. So the spies um, come into her house and the king finds out that Rahab has welcomed these two spies and he sends a message. Rahab, we know two spies have entered your home. We need you to give them up. But our girl Rahab was a step ahead of the king because she knows how this works. And so she has hidden the spies on her roof. Scripture says she covered them with flax and she tells the messengers of the king, I don't know where they went. Maybe if you hurry up behind them, you can catch them. Sends them off on a wild goose chase. Kind of lies. We don't encourage that. But, you know, it's just part of the story. And, and so... As she hides the spies, this is what she says to them. <laughs> she says, we know God has given you this land. Everyone is afraid of you. In fact, we live in terror. We've heard the stories of how God made a dry path for you through the Red Sea, and we've even heard how you destroyed other nations. Our hearts are melting in fear, and our courage is weakened. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. This is what a prostitute who has not heard or seen the living God is saying to these spies about their God. What a woman of faith. So Rahab, as we continue in the story, as scripture tells us, she asked the spies for a guarantee because she knows that her city is going to be destroyed. So she asked them to guarantee kindness and deliverance. And, and the spies vow against their own lives that they will keep her promise as long as she does not betray them. And, and so they say, all of your family who come into your house will be saved. And so Rahab ties a scarlet cord, um, and she lowers the spies out of her window. She advises them on which direction to go, and that scarlet cord will be a sign for them to know which house when they come back. Um, the spies go back and give their report, basically saying, we are ensured victory because all the people in Jericho are living in terror of us. What a great report they have to go back. So in our fairy taleish, not so fairy taleish story, I mean, God is setting this up. We have a city that is filled with fear of attack despite their fortified walls. We have a prostitute longing for deliverance. We have spies. We have a harrowing pursuit. We have a, 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 a slight miss. They almost got caught and they didn't. I mean, and for those of you who like Hollywood stories, I'm telling you, the Bible writes stories better than any Hollywood screenwriter could. So if you are not familiar with Rahab's story, I hope you're intrigued. I hope you will leave today and go, I got to go check out this story. I didn't know the Bible had a story about her, a prostitute in it. It's amazing. So we fast forward a few chapters in Joshua, and the Israelites have given, um, God has given them their battle plan, and it's, it's not what we're used to. All right, here you go. God says to them, okay, I want you to go up to Jericho, and on day one, I want you to march around one time. And then day two, I want you to march around one time. And then day three, I want you to march around one time. And then day four, one time. Day five, one time. Day six, one time. Now, again, I love looking at the plot, and my, my imagination just starts to think, what did the people of Jericho who were living in fear think when this army of Israel came towards their city, not with their spears ready to shoot at them, but to march. 
What do you think they thought the first day the Israelites marched around one time? I would imagine that their terror and their fear and their shaking in their boots translated to mockery. Oh, that's all y'all think you've got. You gonna march around, really? And then they leave. Then the second day, here they come marching again. By the fourth or the fifth day, I imagine some of that terror is kind of gone. What were we scared of? Is this all these people have? But on the seventh day, on the seventh day, the plan from God was different. The Israelites were to march around Jericho seven times with trumpets blowing. And after the seventh time, the ram's horn was to be blown and they shouted. And the walls came down. Now again, understand here, the Bible tells us that Rahab's house was on the wall. So I understand as these walls start to come down, that she's feeling, her family are feeling. Can you imagine an earthquake? I mean, the walls are coming down all around you and, and, and they are inside the wall. Now, now consider that the spy said, we will protect everyone who comes into your home. And so scripture tells us that Rahab had a father and a mother and brothers, plural, so at least two brothers, and sisters, plural, so that's at least six people. But the passage says that all of her relatives who were with her so this is a group of people who are hovering in Rahab's house, maybe all six days that the Israelites, maybe when they came towards the city, they said, hey, we're going, we're coming in your house. Maybe they weren't sure if they wanted to believe her. After all, we know nothing about them, whether they shared her faith or not. It's likely they didn't. So you can imagine the kind of convincing that she had to do to tell them without betraying the spies, come to my house and this, this guy, well, I can't tell you about spies, but, but we're going to be destroyed. You can imagine. I mean, it's setting this woman's faith up so powerfully. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 22 and read this suspenseful part of the story. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 22. But again, if you're unfamiliar, start in, verse, in chapter 2 and read through chapter 6 because it will blow your mind. The details are amazing. In New Living Translation says, Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, now this is when the, the, the walls are coming down, he says to them, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies. Joshua sent to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Wow. Wow. So Joshua tells those spies, go in and fulfill your promise that you made to this woman. So they go in and they bring out Rahab and all of her family. And they bring them to a place outside of the camp of Israel. And basically, they have to turn and watch their city burned with fire. God was saying to Rahab, this will be your crisis of faith because there's no Jericho to go back to. It's destroyed. It is burned with fire. 
And I love that the Bible tells us at the, the last part of that chapter that she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now we're going to pick up the next part of Rahab's story. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 is the beautiful listing, the very detailed listing of the genealogy of our Lord Jesus. And you would imagine the king of kings would have, you know, great illustrious people in his genealogy. But God had a beautiful plan for a prostitute. Matthew 1 verse 5 says, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. So amongst the five women who are listed in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus, Rahab finds herself in that genealogy. And so scripture continues her story by telling us that, that she married a man named Salmon and had a son named Boaz. Now, scripture doesn't tell us the name of the two spies, but I refer back to my, my author, Francine Rivers, and, and she surmises, and, and I don't think this is far from, from something to consider, that, that maybe Salmon was one of the spies. Um, maybe he was one of the two men who was dispatched by Joshua to go in. And if that's true, which personally, I like thinking that that's true because that kind of sets up a sweet love story because after all, the spies had the upfront view of the faith of a prostitute. They had the upfront view of seeing this woman say, we're living in terror of you all. We know your God is God. We know your God is going to destroy us. And so if Salmon was one of those spies, he saw the great faith of this woman. Nevertheless, um, we know that Rahab and Salmon had a son named Boaz. And those of you who know scripture know, as this passage tells us, that Boaz married a woman named Ruth, and they had a son named Obed. We go from Obed to Jesse, and Jesse to Israel's favorite king, King David. Do you think Rahab ever considered her future path? and thought, she, a prostitute who had known, we don't know how many men, would become a wife. And if that were not amazing enough, that a woman whose body had been used and abused by men would have the privilege of bearing a son. And we know that she and Salmon's son Boaz was a great man, because if you know the story of Ruth, Boaz was a good one. And Ruth on to, to Obed, and Obed to Jesse, and Jesse to King David. Could Rahab have ever imagined that that was God's plan for her? When she placed her faith in this God that she had only heard about, God writes the best stories. Proverbs 31.30 tells us that charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. I'm sorry, ladies. But a woman who fears the Lord, she will be greatly praised. Our God can set up a former prostitute to be a woman who is greatly praised. Rahab, what an amazing story. But there's more praise for her, for her past is not her legacy. It is her faith. Hear that. 
Her past is not her legacy. It is her faith. Turn with me to Hebrews 11, verse 31. Hebrews 11 is considered faith's hall of fame. And in it we have the names of men and women whose faith and whose heroic deeds we are told we are to emulate. And in verse 31, New Living Translation again, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. It says here that she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now that was a risk for a woman who knew in her profession she was just being used to give a friendly welcome to two foreigners, to trust that their word to her, that they would return and rescue her, that that word would be fulfilled. What a woman of faith. Rahab gets a spot in the great hall of fame amongst our Bible heroes. And God repeats her former identity in this passage, I believe, to remind us where he brought her from. I kind of puzzled with God, to be honest about this, because, you know, I get in Joshua, you know, two through six, her story, she was a prostitute, and, and then God delivers her, and, and, you know, especially in our Christendom, we, we kind of like, well, that's, that was then, and I don't want anybody to know about that, because what will they think of me? And then we see in Matthew that, that oh, she's, she's the wife of Salmon and the mother of Boaz, yes. But then we get to Hebrews, and I'm sort of like, well, God, why, why you got to bring up the prostitute part again? I mean, that was, can't you just say Rahab? But I believe God answered my, my question by saying, I want you to know what I brought her from. I want you to know her past identity did not define the future I had for her. Her faith is what we need to remember more than what she used to be. And I hope that that is a word of encouragement for anyone here. Because truthfully, we all have a story. We're reading Rahab's story, but I pray that you would not be afraid to glorify God by sharing your story. Rahab's story shows us that faith is most precious to God. That we don't have to clean ourselves up to come to him. That is humanistic garbage that needs to be trampled. We don't clean ourselves up and put ourselves together and then we're good enough to come to God. No, Rahab's story, a prostitute tells us that it is faith in him. It is faith in God that counts. We all have a past. We all have shame. We all have regret. Do you know God as your redeemer like Rahab? A God who can clean you up, whose plans for you are far beyond what you could ask or imagine, as Ephesians 3.20 tells us. Simply put your faith in him. And just like God did for Rahab, he will redeem your story too. Hebrews 11.6 says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. 
He does not reward those who check off a list and do all the things that their denominations say are required to, to be religious enough. No, we please God by our faith, just like Rahab. God showed mercy by saving her and her family from destruction in Jericho. For that enough, that would have been great enough if he had just saved her from, from being caught in the fire and crushed like the people of Jericho. But God did better than that. He lavished her with grace by giving her a husband, at least one child, maybe more, and a destiny greater than she could ever have imagined as a woman in the ancestry of Israel's greatest leader, King David, and the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Rahab, say her name, a jewel in God's hall of fame. As we conclude, I want us to reflect on the state of our faith because we could close that up and go, that's wonderful, wow. Rahab, God redeemed the life of a prostitute. That's wonderful, and go our way. But the challenge that God spoke to me as I reflected and just, oh, I love her story. I love how God writes stories. But what is the state of my faith? And what is the state of your faith? Is our faith like the people of Jericho who heard ominous reports? They were filled with terror. Their hearts were melting. They refused to trust God. And instead, we're self-reliant. After all, our walls will save us, they thought. Those great walls that God cast down with his people marching around. Is that the state of your faith, self-reliance? Or is your faith like Rahab? Hebrews 11 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That is hard for our culture, who tells us from the time that we are young that we have to make our path, we have to do it, we have to do all the right things, and we make our life. That's the opposite of what God calls us to do, which pleases him, and that is being sure of what we hope for. And we see in the life of Rahab the prostitute, who hoped for deliverance from a God she had not met who had not shown her personally any miracles except giving her the seed of faith that she waited and waited for. That's a bold faith. That's a faith to grow into. Rahab was ready when God said it's time. Being prepared is different from being self-reliant. God had to really deal with me on that because you know, as a pastor's wife and a pastor's kid, I, I like to be strong and independent and capable. I like to do for others. And I don't know if any of you have that struggle, but, but it's hard when you're doing for others and, and your capabilities get brought down. Rahab was prepared because we see her faith. The spies came to her home. She welcomed them. She hid them. She sent the king's men away. She advised the spies on which way to go, and she gathered her family together. So again, James tells us that faith without works is dead. And some of us like to talk about having faith. That's the easy part, to say, I have faith. Good for you. Congratulations. But Rahab, we see, had works 
that accompanied her faith. And her being prepared, she had to be quick. She had to be ready. She had to be a woman of action. She couldn't say, oh, spies, let's see. Um, uh, uh, because scripture shows us that this happened fast. These spies came to her door, and I imagine she had to quick, come, let me hide you here. Go up, and so no sooner she got that flax covering them, here come the men to the door. Rahab, we hear some spies have come to your door. We need you to bring them out. There was no time for, for twiddling. So this woman of faith, as she waited for how, who, when, what is God going to do, she had to be prepared. And that is our word. God, prepare me for what you're doing and build my faith in you and not in my self-reliance. As I consider our country, and we had marches yesterday, we have a new president that has come in the office. Psalm 20 tells us that some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And it dawned on me that our currency says, in God we trust. Rahab's story reminds me that we of all people, people of God, people who name the name of God, people who know more than in God we trust, that we can be real about trusting in God, that we can demonstrate that with our lives. And I want us to spend some time in prayer, in asking God to show us, what does that look like for me to have a bold faith? Not a faith that says if I add it all up and if I set all this in place and if I do all of these right steps, things are going to work out right for me. But a faith that says, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it. A prostitute with a house on the city wall, day in and day out, looking out, waiting, hoping. She did not know how God, this God that she was hearing about, would deliver her. But when two spies came, God quickened that faith that was ready, and she knew I believe that these spies who were sent to this land, after all, God had already told them, it's prom the promised land is yours. There's no doubt when God says it, it is. I believe that the spies' mission was to go check out the land, but I believe those spies were a divine appointment for a woman who was waiting for deliverance. God will set it up and do it how he wants. Walls mean nothing to him. Jericho's story tells us that. And so our trust is not in chariots. Our trust is not in horses. Our trust is not in our leadership when it changes, when we agree with it, when we don't agree with it. Our trust is in the name of the Lord our God. That is beyond something that's just written on our currency, but it is real and true and vibrant in the heart's of us as God's people. So let's spend some time now. I want us to pray because I don't want us to just hear a wonderful story of deliverance as powerful as Rahab's story is and not let God spend some time examining our hearts. Bow your heads with me as we pray. God, we thank you for writing 
a beautiful story. And we know that you alone are God because you write the best stories. You are the author and the finisher. And God, you are using a prostitute, a woman who likely was an object of scorn to her people. But in writing her story, you show her and lift her as a trophy of your grace. And we want to be like her, God. We look to Rahab's example. She could declare to these two foreign men that your God is God. I haven't seen him, but I know it in my heart. And I am ready to be saved and delivered by him. And you wrote a destiny for her, God, that is absolutely amazing, as only you can do. I want to have faith like Rahab. I want to trust you bold, God. I want to trust you beyond what I can see. I want to trust you beyond how things look. I want to trust you for what is unseen. I want to please you. I pray that you would call us up as your people, God, those in this, in this room under the sound of my voice who know you as their Lord, who have placed their faith like Rahab in you. God, would you build up our faith? Lord, those of us who are self-reliant, we lay that at your feet. Lord, our education, our financial success, Lord, our esteem, Lord, our skills, they are tools that you have given to us. But we do not place our trust in those things because the people of Jericho trusted the fortress of their walls. But on day seven, those walls came crushing down. And their hopes were dashed. But God, we want to trust in you. As Rahab said, we want to trust in the name of the God whose miracles and might we know. We read them in scripture, and you have been kind enough to even show us in our personal lives how great you are. God, may we be willing and humble to share our stories, Father. I thank you for so many beautiful lives in this church, Lord, who have amazing and powerful stories of redemption. I pray against the enemy's lies that tells them to be quiet with their story, that if you tell that story after all, what will people think of you? Lord, release them to glorify you by sharing the hope that they found in you, how desperate they were like Rahab, and how you found them, and you picked them up and pulled them out of that miry clay, how you set their feet on a rock, and they can glorify you in a beautiful way. God, I pray for anyone who may be here today who is puzzled, who is searching, who, who cannot yet say, my faith is in God. Lord, may they hear this story and see you as the great redeemer who loves them with an everlasting love. And may Rahab's story be their testimony that you were able to redeem their lives. May they place their faith simply in you, God. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, we have heard, as the people of Jericho have heard, ominous reports, and some of us, Lord, our hearts truly are melting. We feel like we're living in terror today. God, may we know that you are still on the throne. And if you can use a band of, 
of Israelites to march and blow a horn and crush walls. You can do anything. Your hand is not too short. You are able, God. May we rest in who you are and not rest in our strength. We pray for our President Trump. We pray for our leaders who are being established even now. We pray for the people of God all over the land, for men, for women, Lord, of every tribe and tongue, from every background, God, that they would know that their hope is not in themselves, that our hope is not in our currency, that our hope is not in our past success, our hope is not in chariots and horses. Our hope is in the name of the Lord our God. We place our hope and trust there. May we be people of bold faith, whose faith is active, as James admonishes us, whose faith is shown through our works, God. Lift us up, God, to be trophies of your grace, like our girl Rahab. We bless you, God. You do amazing work. And may we have the opportunity to continue to be a part of that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.